It's time now for Pilgrim's Progress Storytime with Pastor Ray Greenlee. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress Storytime. I'm sharing with you the story of Pilgrim, written by John Bunyan. He was sent to the Bedford Jail in England and published this story of Pilgrim's Progress in 1661. This was a very difficult time for John Bunyan. He was a very renowned preacher, but he was imprisoned because he did not have a license from the Church of England to preach. He preached instead at a Reformed Baptist church, and he worked as a tinker to earn enough money to support his family. It was a very difficult job. He went door to door asking the women, do you have a pan that you need repaired? And he would repair the metal pan. It was dirty work. It was hot work. It was dangerous work. But he was there because he needed to provide for his wife and his children. He wrote what is considered today the number one Christian allegory. It's a story of leaving the city of destruction where he is certain that he is going to be burned to death with his family if he doesn't find a way of escape. He is deeply troubled. He doesn't know where to go. He doesn't know how to escape. And so he begins to cry out as he reads this book and discovers that God hates him, is angry with him, that he is under the wrath of God. Finally, Evangelist finds him and sends him toward the narrow gate. He runs. He has a heavy pack on his back, burden, heavy. He falls into the swamp of despair, and he's soaking wet, and he stinks. He's filthy dirty. But he comes to that narrow gate, and he knocks, and he knocks, and he knocks. Finally, the gate is open to him, and he is invited to enter. Now, as he begins his journey on the narrow path, he comes to the house of the interpreter. That is, he comes to the house where the Holy Spirit begins to teach him valuable lessons, lessons that he will need if he is to take this journey. I often talk about enrolling in the school of the Holy Spirit. Are you in school now? Have you enrolled in the school of the Holy Spirit? Is he teaching you valuable lessons? Well, we pick up this story today. It's a wonderful story. I want to show you just very briefly a picture. This is where the story begins today. The man sitting at the table. He's taking down the names of those who say, yes, I want to be a Christian. Yes, I want to enter into the palace of God. I want you to hear what happens as he looks at this beautiful palace and wants very much to enter into it. 
I'm reading Pilgrim's Progress by John Bunyan, edited by C.J. Lovick. I'm using it by his permission. After I saw this, that the interpreter took Christian by the hand, led him into a pleasant place, where there was built a stately palace, beautiful to behold. At the sight of it, Christian was greatly delighted. He looked up, and he saw people clothed in gold walking on the top of the thick palace walls. Christian asked, May we go into the palace? The interpreter took him and led him up toward the door of the palace. There Christian saw a great company of men standing at the palace door. They all desired to go in, but few dared to. A little distance from the door there was a man sitting at a table with a book open before him. He was writing the name of those who wished to enter the palace. Christian also saw in the doorway many armed men who were determined to inflict as many injuries and wounds as they could on anyone trying to enter that palace. Christian was amazed. At last, after every man retreated back for fear of the armed men, Christian saw a man with a very determined look on his face come up to the man sitting at the table and say, Set my name down, sir. As soon as he had his name written in the book, Christian saw the man draw his sword, put on a helmet, and rushed toward the armed men at the door who tried to stop him with deadly force. But the man, not at all discouraged, began cutting and hacking most fiercely at his attackers. After he had received and given many wounds to those who attempted to keep him out, he cut his way through them all and pressed forward into the palace. And then Christian heard a pleasant voice from those who were inside the palace, even those who walked upon the top of the palace wall, saying, Come in, come in, eternal glory you will win. (laughs) So the determined man went in and was clothed with gold. Then Christian smiled and said, I think I know what this means, and I think it's time for me to continue my journey. No, said the interpreter, stay until I've shown you a little more, and after that you can go on your way. So he took Christian by the hand and led him into a very dark room where a man sat in an iron cage. The man in the cage seemed very sad. He sat with his eyes looking down at the ground, his hands folded together, and he sighed as if his heart would break. And Christian asked, What does this mean? Instead of answering, the interpreter asked Christian to talk with the man. So Christian asked the man, Who are you? The man answered, I am not who I used to be. Who did you used to be? Christian asked. 
Well, I was once fair and flourishing in my profession of faith, both in my own eyes and also in the eyes of others. I was, I once thought, deserving of the celestial city and was full of joy as I considered going there. Well, Christian said, who are you now? The man replied, I am now a man of despair. It surrounds me as does this iron cage. I cannot get out. Oh, now I cannot get out. But how did you come to be in this condition? Christian asked. He answered honestly. I stopped being watchful and diligent. I rushed after my own lust. I sinned against the light of the word and the goodness of God. I have grieved the Spirit, and he is gone. I tempted the devil, and he has come to me. I have provoked God to anger, and he has, he has left me. I have so hardened my heart that I cannot repent. And Christian asked the interpreter, Is there no hope for a man such as this? Ask him, said the interpreter. So Christian asked the man, Is there no hope? Must you be kept in the iron cage of despair? No hope. None at all. But consider this. The Son of the Blessed is full of pity. I have crucified him to myself afresh. I have despised his person. I have despised his righteousness. I have counted his blood an unholy thing. I have insulted the spirit of grace. Therefore, I have shut myself out of all the promises, and there now remains to me nothing but threatenings, dreadful, dreadful threatenings, fearful threatenings of certain judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour me as an adversary. How did you bring yourself into this condition? The man exclaimed, I promise myself much delight from the lust and pleasures and the profits of this world. But now every one of those things wounds me and gnaws at me like a burning worm. But can't you even now repent and turn away from those things? Christian asked. Hopefully. God has denied me repentance, the man said. His word gives me no encouragement to believe. He himself has shut me up in this iron cage, and all the men in the world do not have the power to let me out. Oh, eternity, eternity! How will I deal with the misery that waits me in eternity? Then the interpreter said to Christian, Remember this man's misery, and let it be an everlasting caution to you. Oh, this is, this is fearful, said Christian. May God help me to watch and be sober and pray that I may avoid the cause of this man's misery. But sir, isn't it time for me to go on my way? 
Interpreter added, stay until I show you one more thing, and then you may go on your way. So he took Christian by the hand again and led him into a chamber where there was a man getting out of bed. And as he dressed himself, he shook and trembled. And then Christian asked, Why does this man tremble so? The interpreter then called the man over and told him to tell Christian the reason for his trembling. This is what the man told Christian. This night as I was in my sleep, I dreamed and witnessed the heavens grow pitch dark. I also heard and saw the most terrible thundering and lightning, so I looked up in my dream and saw the clouds begin to roll an unusual rate of speed. And then I heard the great sound of a trumpet and saw a man sitting upon a great cloud attended by thousands from heaven. They were all clothed in flaming fire, and the heavens were burning as a flame. I then heard a voice say, Arise, you that are dead, and come to judgment. With that, the rocks split and the graves all opened, and the dead who were in them came out. Some of them were extremely glad and looked upward, and some tried to hide themselves under the mountains for fear. And then I saw the man who sat upon the cloud open a book and bid the world come near. A fierce flame spewed out from before him, creating a barrier between him and the world of men, like the barrier between a judge and the prisoners at the bar. I heard the man who sat on the cloud proclaim to the heavenly hosts who attended him, Gather together the tares, the chaff, the stubble, and cast them into the burning lake of fire. And immediately the bottomless pit opened just where I stood. And out of the mouth of that pit came smoke and coals of fire accompanied by hideous noises. Then I heard the man who sat on the clouds proclaim to the heavenly host, Gather my wheat into the barn. And with that I saw many people caught up and carried away into the clouds. But I was left behind. I tried to hide myself, but I could not, for the man who sat on the cloud kept his eye upon me. My sins also came into my mind, and my conscience accused me mercilessly. And then I woke from my sleep. Christian asked, But what was it that made you so afraid of that sight? He explained, Well, I thought the day of judgment had come and that I was not ready for it. But what frightened me the most was the angels gathered up others but left me behind. Also the pit of hell opened her mouth just below where I stood. My conscience was afflicted. I thought the judge had his eyes upon me and I saw in his expression both anger and indignation. Then said the interpreter to Christian, Have you considered all these things? Yes, Christian answered, and they caused me both to hope and to fear. 
The interpreter told him seriously, Keep all these things in your mind as a constant encouragement and warning as you journey on ahead to the celestial city. Then Christian began to prepare himself for the journey ahead, and when he was ready to depart, the interpreter said, May the Comforter be with you always to guide you in the way that leads to the city. So Christian went on his way, saying, Here I have seen things rare and profitable, things pleasant and dreadful, things to give me stability and wisdom to deal with my tasks at hand, for showing me that I need to understand for the journey ahead. I thank you, good interpreter. Now I saw in my dream that the highway up which Christian was to go was fenced on each side with a wall. The wall was called salvation. Therefore it was up this highway that Christian ran, but not without great difficulty because of the burden, the load he was carrying on his back. He ran till he came to a small hill at the top of which stood a cross, and at the bottom of which was a tomb. I saw in my dream that when Christian walked up the hill to the cross, his burden came loose from his shoulders and fell off his back, tumbling down the hill until it came to the mouth of the tomb, where it fell in and was seen no more. And Christian was relieved and delighted and exclaimed with a joyful heart, He has given me rest by his sorrow and life by his death. For a while he stood there in front of the cross to look and wonder. It was very surprising to him that the sight of the cross should remove his burden. He continued looking at the cross until tears began to stream down his cheeks as he stood looking and weeping. Three shining ones came to him and greeted him with, Peace be with you. Then the first one said to him, Your sins are forgiven. The second stripped him of his filthy rags and dressed him with new clothing. The third put a mark on his forehead and gave him a scroll with a seal on it. He told Christian to review it often as he went on his way, and at the end of his journey to turn it in at the celestial gate. After this, they went their way. I saw then in my dream that Christian went on his way until he came to the bottom of the hill. Then he saw lying by the side of the path three men fast asleep with chains upon their feet. The name of one was Foolish, the second Sloth, and the third Presumption. Christian went to them to see if he might awaken them and said to them, You will be like one who lies down in the midst of the sea, like one who lies on the top of a mast. Through the dead sea is under you a gulf that has no bottom. Wake up! Wake up, get back on the path, and if you're willing, I will help you take off your iron shackles. He also told them, If he that goes about like a roaring lion comes by and finds you like this, 
he will destroy you with his teeth. With that, they looked at Christian and began to reply to him. Foolish said, I see no danger. Sloth said, I just need a little more sleep. And Presumption said, Everyone needs to make his own choices. You need to mind your own business and not meddle in ours. So they all lay down to sleep again. And Christian went on his way. Christian was troubled to think that men in such danger should have so little regard for the kindness he had extended when he awakened them, counseled them, and offered to free them of their iron shackles. As he was thinking about this, he saw two men come tumbling over the wall on the left side and onto the path. They immediately came toward Christian. The name of one was Formalist. The name of the other was Hypocrisy. Soon they were walking with Christian on the path, and Christian immediately began to engage them in conversation. Christian asked, Gentlemen, where did you come from? Where are you going? Formality and hypocrisy replied, We were born in the land of vainglory and are going to Mount Zion, where we expect we will be receiving both praise and honor. Well, why didn't you enter by the gate that stands at the beginning of the way? Don't you know that it's written that he who does not come in by the door but climbs up some other way is a thief and a robber? Formalist and hypocrisy answered that to go to the gate in order to enter into the way was considered by them and all their countrymen to be too inconvenient and roundabout especially since they could shorten the journey by simply climbing over the wall. So that's what they'd done. But won't this be seen as trespassing, Christian asked? Don't you think the Lord of the city, for which we are bound, must count it a violation of his revealed will? Formalist and hypocrisy told Christian not to worry about it since it had been the custom of their land for more than a thousand years. But, asked Christian, will your custom stand up in a court of the law? They replied, this custom of entering the way by taking a shortcut has been going on for a long-standing practice for more than a thousand years and would be ruled by a legal practice by any impartial judge as something fair. And besides, they added, as long as we get into the way, what does it matter how we get into it? If we are in, we are in. You came into the way through the narrow gate. We came tumbling over the wall. And since we're both in, who's to say that your chosen path is better than ours? Christian told them, I walk by the rule of my master. You walk by the rule, rude working of your own notions. You are condemned as thieves already by the Lord of the way. Therefore, I doubt you will be found as true men at the end of the journey. You came in by yourself without his direction. You will go out by yourselves without his mercy. To this they had little to say except to tell Christian, Mind your own business. 
Then I saw that formalist and hypocrisy went along with Christian, saying only that as far as the laws and ordinances were concerned, they would obey them as conscientiously as Christian. They added that they saw no difference between themselves and Christian except for the coat he wore, which they speculated was given to Christian to hide his shame and nakedness. Christian responded, You will not be saved by keeping laws or ordinances. You cannot be saved because you did not come in by the door. As for the coat that is on my back, it was given to me by the Lord of the place where I am going, and is, as you say, a cover for my nakedness. I take it as a token of his kindness to me, for I had nothing but rags before. Besides, I take some comfort in the fact that when I come to the gate of the city, the Lord of that place will surely recognize me since it is his coat on my back, a coat that he gave me the day that he stripped me of all my dirty rags. I also have a mark on my forehead, which perhaps you have not noticed. One of my Lord's most intimate associates placed it there on my forehead the day that my burden fell off my shoulders. Well, that's all the time we have today. Come again next week. Bring a friend. Listen to the reading of this book, Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray from the National Prayer Chapel. God bless you. I love you.